0: Like I like I I cost everyone their flip-flops at Christian Camp.
1: Wow, Aaron. Big <laughs> bummer. I've always been flip-flops. a sinner.
0: everybody to the inaugural episode of Busy Body, the podcast that serves as a love letter to everybody. Uh, My name is Erin. I am your host. And thank you so much for joining. I love talking to people. I love talking to no one. Um, I just love to talk. (laughs) And, And I love making friends and I love connecting with people. Um... And I think one thing I love the most about fostering a connection with someone is that through learning more about that individual, I learn more, of course, about the world, but also myself and sort of how I fit into the world. Um, podcasts specifically have helped make me feel less alone during these times. I know that sounds so strange, but I've um, genuinely mistaken uh, listening to like a two-hour podcast for like a two-hour hangout with friends I had. Um like, it feels like a fulfilling social interaction, so I really want this to sort of, like, complement that, you know, and I, I want to add to to people's social lives in some way, like, even if we're not IRL friends, we're, we're friends here. Uh, we have really beautiful people in our lives, and this podcast is just, I keep saying it, but it really is a celebration of just that. Um, you, celebration of you, you people, and each week, it's a different person, um, Isaac, would would you agree? Who, who are you? Are you on the right Zoom?
2: Um, yes, I'm here. I'm Isaac. <laughs> um, I was, uh, I was an audio mixer, but now I guess I'm just, uh, I'm Aaron's friend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and, uh, I, I would agree with that. I think, uh, uh, what initially really drew me into this was going deeper than you usually go with people. I think especially now that it's... Very easy to feel like no one exists because we're in mm-hmm. our houses all the time. We're just reading emails. I feel like we really need the, uh, but what do you say? What is the slogan that you have? Without you, I wouldn't be me.
0: Yes, without you, I wouldn't be me. And I really, that's such a, a good way to like put the bow on it. It's a beautiful thing to celebrate. So without further ado, this is Busybody. really excited for today's guest um I feel like she and I's friendship correct me if I'm wrong but I feel like she and I's friendship was really cemented in a tiki bar in North Hollywood um many moons ago I don't know if that's fair to say we'll we'll ask her when she's when she's here um but I'm so honored to welcome to Busy Body. Everybody give a warm, busy body welcome to Ashley. <laughs> ow, ow, ow. Hello.
1: My name is Ashley. It's such an honor to be here.
0: Uh, it's a freaking honor to have you. I um I just knew in my heart that you were going to be a great guest and I've, uh, I just like love talking to you in real life as a friend and, um, there's no one I love to tear apart a marketing campaign with.
1: <laughs> I, I am always down to tear apart a marketing campaign. <laughs> uh, also I was listening from backstage and I feel the need to oh, tell yes, you guys so. that when I was in college, I drank 32 ounces of Red Bull a day.
2: What? What?
1: Uh, because you know how they sell them in like the 16 ounce, like big, big gulps, like Uh the big gulp animals. I would drink like either four eight ounce cans or two big 16 ounce cans a day.
2: How long did you keep that up for?
1: I probably did it for two years. What?
2: Every day. And
1: it got to a point where my body wasn't reacting to one eight ounce can, right? Like I, it, it kind of became like a weird soda. That I was just constantly drinking, and um, it now like I now can't even stomach one eight ounce can. Like my stomach has returned to normal levels Good. of like, do not put this in your body anymore. Poison. But the reason why I drank so many is because at um, at the college I went to, um, where did st- we go to college? <laughs> you could easily steal Red Bulls um, from all of the school. Um, It was very accessible to like steal them. And I had a a coat with a secret pocket where I could literally put like a bunch of cans and I could walk out without anyone ever noticing. Um, And I took it upon myself. I learned that the college had some kind of like they built into like our cost that we would steal a certain number of things. Are you
0: serious? Yes. So like
1: we kind of you pay for they're kind of expecting that, you know, let's arbitrarily say like you're going to steal like a hundred dollars worth of. Right. Food while you're while you go to college every year, um, and so I took that as an invitation to make, <laughs> make Steal that work. hundred dollars <laughs> worth of rent.
0: Also, I love that the anonymous, anonymity, anonymity, an how do I say that word? I'm having an a Nemo an- moment.
2: Anonymity?
0: Anonymity? The way that you're censoring the name of the college so as to not get caught all these years later.
1: <laughs> well, I'm also so used to, I now have like a dead podcast uh, called The Wet Seat, which what? Aaron is featured on in one yeah. of my favorite episodes. If you're interested in listening to it, I I pay Podbean every year to just like maintain that it's available for people to listen to if they want to.
0: The Wet but- Seat.
1: Um, on the wet seat, we we're, were very conscious of never uh, giving out identifying. So I'm used to making everything very vague.
0: I love that you censored. Um, I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag. We went to Emerson fucking college. <laughs> <laughs> and Ashley stole shit from the C-Store in Little Building. Aaron, they're going to
1: come for me. Oh.
2: <laughs> well, we can cut this. We can control it all. No, I this. know. <laughs> we...
1: oh, I'm not Is anticipating... That... I, I think that the, they put enough like headroom in that tuition price, you know, they could cover the ridiculous. Red
0: Bulls.
2: Ridiculous. Yeah.
1: Fucking
0: ridiculous. I didn't know. So you're saying like that we had to pay more per semester because we had those like dollars right on the yeah like, card.
1: Our meal plans assumed that we were going to steal some stuff.
0: Wow. Those presumptuous motherfuckers. <laughs> for 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 the record I would never steal food from there but I would steal some books I like I think I accidentally and I, I use stole loosely because I accidentally did steal Fight Club from the library the screenplay okay I just never returned it
1: wow see I would never I don't it was something about the Red Bull and the college that specifically <laughs> I was never like a uh, drugstore put the lipstick in your pocket I couldn't. I can't do that to this day. But for some reason, I was emboldened at the college to steal Red Bulls. Very specifically, I was like, no one wants these.
0: You were I'll revolting against that. Perhaps that was your sacrilegious experience. Your your rebellion against the college institution was stealing from it because it was stealing from you.
1: There we go. Wow! See, it's a, it was actually a performance piece. <laughs>
0: My theft is performance art and if you were a real art school you'd understand. <laughs> oh my god. So Ashley, what brought you to Emerson? Like I don't even know what inspired you because you're not from this area. Where where even where do you no. hail from? Uh I think the so I hail from Arkansas.
1: <laughs> Um I uh, specifically from a town called Fayetteville, Arkansas, which is the home of the the college football team Razorbacks. That's the Razorbacks. Wow, Aaron. <laughs> My cousin lives there. <laughs> uh and it's basically like it's Northwest Arkansas is also the home of Tyson Foods and Walmart. Um and so we actually didn't get hit by the 2008 recession as hard because um Walmart pays for a lot of our community services. And Walmart wow. does Walmart does great in a recession, right? Walmart does, oh. Walmart and Tyson Foods, they're they're fortified, um, and so um, it was kind of like a college town, but it also was inevitably in Arkansas, um, and I have a lot of very strong feelings about that state uh, because of my experience. Um, but I really wanted to go to Emerson because. Uh, I had a like idealistic vision of like choosing the Northeast. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know, you know, I just knew I didn't want to go to college anywhere near where I had lived. And um, I was the kind of person where I bought the like 700 page Bible of all colleges in the entire United States. And I would go to a coffee shop with highlighters and post its. (laughs) And I would mark every single college that I was interested in in this giant book instead of using, I don't know, a computer. <laughs> um, and uh, that's how I found Emerson College was through this book. I knew that I wanted to go to a school that would allow me to go uh, work in advertising, get a major in advertising, but still do musical theater on the side, which mm-hmm. is kind of unique because most colleges, if you don't study musical theater, they're not going to let you do it. Um, but oh, Emerson, I didn't realize that. yeah, it's like you know they're. This, the theater is for the theater folks, it's not for mm. extracurricular activity. And so I wanted to go to some place that was like a good advertising program, but also would allow me to do theater because that's kind of what I was giving up from like what I was really passionate about in high school. But I don't oh, I have
0: didn't realize that. I don't I didn't know have, that you were like a theater kid in high school. I had no idea.
1: Yes, that was my primary. My primary identity throughout high school was theater, choir and theater. <laughs> <laughs> theater choir and then like no that's uh, oh and uh, forensics which is uh competitive acting what so oh. the original the original definition of forensics is not like crime that's um, what that. it's it's like oral competition so it's like forensics and debate so oh. debate is like what you typically would think of. Forensics is like I would, we would go to these competitions and I would compete in like a monologue. It's like they had a, a like one thing was like called solo and it was like comp, competitive four minute monologues. What was your um,
0: monologue that you did?
1: Oh, I did a lot because I would change it you every year. You do it every year? Uh, like there were probably, there were competitions every month. So we oh would my take, God. so we would just go to different schools and like do these forensics competitions. Um, but my favorite was, uh, they had one that was, um, Words and Music, it was called Words and Music, and you basically had to put together, like, a stitching of a musical in, uh, a 10 minutes, under 10 minutes, so musicals in under 10 minutes, um, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, that was a, a lot of my identity, and, but I also realized that I just don't have the willpower to be a starving artist.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you like stability, same. I love stability. I love stability. <laughs> I loved
1: it. I needed it. I knew that I didn't have the stomach no. to do it. And but you so, have the
0: stomach for Red Bull, which really matters. It,
1: that is what matters. And so I chose Emerson um, also because they had a Lady Gaga medley uh, at the time that I was looking for colleges that like all of the, the kids at Emerson College got together and they made this... like. 10 minute Lady Gaga medley. Shut the, the fuck up.
0: Like one of those camera things like the in the early yes. mid 2000s where everyone jumped in. Yes,
1: and it was honestly very well done and it was like <laughs> oh the entire God. Fame album and like the fact that this like, it was like hundreds of college kids all doing the Fame album throughout this like school I was like, this is the one.
0: I hate <laughs> to admit it, but that is kind of iconic. Uh,
1: And yeah, so that's, we, my mom and I actually traveled. We meant to go see three different colleges in the Northeast and um, we went to Emerson, and we didn't go to the others. We like what just straight one,
0: up. What did you uh, plan to go to?
1: The only other one I remember that we were planning to go to was Syracuse. Uh, we mm-hmm. were going to go visit Syracuse, and we decided we, Emerson was just where I wanted to go. I was like, I was a like my partner would call me like a sad Emerson person because like <laughs> I was very into it. I was like I I was really into the college in like an unhealthy way. Um, But it's funny, I did one play while at Emerson, um, and it was probably the best artistic work of my life. Like, I had such a good time, it was amazing. But it disillusioned me from ever doing theater again, because only like 50 people were able to see it. And Mm. I thought it was such amazing art. And I was very upset by the, the temporary nature of theater. I was like,
0: "What was the performance? What was the play?" It was
1: someone's thesis uh, that they, uh, they. It was called. Um, there's this old Greek, um, or I think it's Greek. Uh, it's called um, Electra, and it's essentially like a mythology piece. Um, but what he did is he created like it was a three-part rendition of the same play, but um, the first rendition was like the initial Greek mythology. And then we had intermission, which was we recreated the entire play, but during intermission as if we were at like a cocktail party. And then we had a third iteration that was modern day. So it was like the Greek mythology is modern day. So it was you watch the same play three times in three different like iterations. Um, And it was
0: interesting.
1: It was incredible. And no one saw it because it was like some thesis project. And, and I, yeah, after that experience, I was like, this was so amazing. I love doing it. I will never do it again. So I guess I was glad I didn't do theater. (laughs) Uh.
0: That's so, wow. I feel like, so that the temporary nature of theater and how you have to be there to see it. And it's that singular sort of experience of like just performing it for a live audience and, and then it's gone that's not that's kind of a deterrent for you you don't want to pursue theater because of its fleeting nature
1: which is arguably why people do it
0: right exactly i was just gonna say the other side of the argument is like people would say that like it's one of the most uh like pristine esteemed art forms a medium where like you know the whole beauty of performing something live the very essence of live performance is the highest form of art and like it's different for every audience and whatever. But yeah, that's, wow. And I do think that's
1: beautiful. I just don't want to make it. Right. (laughs) I think it's like, I think that uh, in and of itself on Hulu is like a theater piece that everyone should see. I'm so glad that it was filmed, but most theater pieces, I actually talked to a friend about this. It's like most theater, they barely even break even. They can't afford to film it. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's just something you know it's a piece of it I love theater I love going to theater I appreciate it I love it I still am I'm a theater kid at heart my like work music when I'm working is uh, musical theater
0: (laughs) going back to In and of Itself Isaac have you seen In and of Itself on Hulu?
2: No I haven't seen that one
0: it is like cause like when we were talking about theater and like the you know appeal of live performance it's like that's something that I think lends itself so well to being filmed and the way they filmed it was like the way it was edited I mean it really conveyed like I felt like I was in a theater watching it which is weird because I was just home so I wonder if I saw it in a theater I'd have even more of an immersive experience but like it's basically it's really hard to like put a synopsis on it or like even give it a log line but I would say it's, like, this guy trying to find, like, the points of our identi- identity and human experience that intersects um, through, like, illusion and magic, and um, it's, like, a mix of fiction, but it's also, like, autobiography, it, I think it is. Um, you should see it's on Hulu. It's, like, really, really incredible. It oh. is indescribable, yeah. truly.
1: But worth ninety minutes of anyone's time,
0: worth uh, the which tight is ninety.
1: By the way, I mean the reason why I was into theater is like when I was in Arkansas, theater is just where all like the the other kids went. Um, <laughs> Were you going to say the queer kids? Not no, because it's not. I not I, inherently because not, not inherently. You know, right. it was like right. it was just a place where like if you didn't necessarily want to go home. Yes. And you weren't a sports kid. Hmm. Uh, If you didn't want to go home, then you went to, we had like a local community theater for kids. Mm -hmm. And I did, if I wasn't in a show, I was like working backstage at one. Um, And uh, I actually auditioned when I was a child to get into this community theater five times before they eventually let me in a show, which really hurt my, like, baby, like, 12-year-old ego. (laughs)
0: How the fuck can you tell a kid no? Like, the the rule is that everyone gets a part. Like, everyone gets
1: a part. Well, it's a community theater. Like, there was an audition process. Only so many kids could be in Grease Junior. But,
0: like, an ensemble? I mean,
1: an ensemble is is numberless. I, you know, I personally think I I should be, like, you know, the fourth time a kid auditions... You should let him in the cast. Let yeah.
0: him in. <laughs> Oh my god. The kid
1: wants to be in the ensemble.
0: And that um, kid will fucking dance and, and fucking do jazz squares like no one else. And now, a word from our sponsors.
2: Critics are calling Hamilton the Musical a show for the ages. A rebellious reshaping of our country. Young. Scrappy. Hot. Running Sunday to Sunday and every day before and after. Not stopping until the earth's core implodes. Be sure to catch Hamilton, the musical. Sell a kidney for your ticket today.
1: I just always wondered, I was like, I just assume, I kind of blame this on Arkansas. Like, I used to think it was an Arkansas thing, but then I realized I think it was just like a like the friends, like all of our, like, friends that we hung out with, went to this theater, like did this stuff, are still friends today, are all connected through like, Homes that either dealt with, like, abuse, uh, substance abuse, uh, alcoholism, uh, like, dysfunctional family relationships. And so theater was really, like, this community kids theater was, like, a a weird haven. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And you could stay there for hours. Yep. Like, you had rehearsal for, you know, from 4 p.m. until, you know, 8 p.m. if your parents didn't pick you up on time. Mm. Uh, That's a
0: really astute observation. I never quite connected those dots and it's, it's just so fucking true. Like the kids, I was just talking to my therapist about this, like a couple sessions ago, the kids, myself included, like being theater and choir too, um, the kids who did that did not want to go home after school or they just wanted something and like the tech rehearsals on the weekend, it just filled up so much of your schedule and it took you out of the house and it gave you that like haven as you said and like that community but that's really interesting like just well, looking also, back like,
1: it's so true it's like a lot of games you play in theater especially as you grow older are like emotional abuse in the wrong hands like the like the games you play are like let's cry yeah. <laughs> you know like the the kind yeah. of like let's get in our bodies and like share our deepest, darkest secrets together. Like that's the kind of exercises that as you grow older, that's kind of what you're asked of. Mm -hmm. Especially Mm -hmm. in like, yeah, I had like a, when I did the one play in college, we did like an exercise where we ran around this mat and we went around this mat. Like we would run until we were basically exhausted and then we would scream and like throw ourselves into the mat. Wow. And it was literally just an exercise in like, letting go yeah but it was kind of like people would get onto the mat and just like break into hysterical tears
0: yeah it's and it's it's like what do we
1: it's cathartic but it's also like so it's like theater is a very special kind of after-school activity where like that's like a they're like feel pain
0: Yeah, (laughs) you're right. Like there's a level of responsibility that I think goes into managing some of the reactions that might come from kids or in even college at the college level. I, yeah, like this is a very, very strange line to draw, but your partner uh, will completely understand because he also was an RA. Being a resident assistant at Emerson they make you do this training where like they it is the most bizarre i don't know why they make you do this but they it was kind of like um similar to theater exercises or improv exercises where it's like we're gonna break you down like who here has ever contemplated you know um suicide who here has ever engaged in self-harm step over the line and it's like there was no resources like some people had just admitted things for the first time and and they just said something out loud for the first time ever and then it's like all right guys we'll see you tomorrow session starts at 8 a.m we're gonna go over um you know incident reports and finding alcohol in dorm rooms and it's like what the fuck like the emotional it kind of felt like emotional porn yeah like like
1: I don't know yeah RAs do the same kind of community building weird stuff
2: yeah but it's
0: interesting that like we feel cause even in the theater in the theater um <laughs> and in corral like any sort of artistic and it's weird that now resident assistant training is lumped into this for me but like um any sort of training i've had that's been within or, or the goal has been to foster a community the root of it has been like bearing your emotional self like why yeah. is that why is well, that to I, build trust
1: i mean i don't know what it is like i think the this same type of exercises can also be used in like a manipulative sense in terms of like creating a sense of community when you so like another part of arkansas is like I like I went to like this Christian camp every year and a big part of that Christian camp is one crucifixion night where uh we literally had to watch our camp counselors uh redo the crucifixion complete with screaming and like the sound of nails no. in someone's hands uh second grade to tenth grade was there stigmata What's a stigmata?
0: It's, the, it's like the phenomenon where people like oh. have a bloody... Oh, I'm sorry, that's bad. No. Bad uh,
2: joke.
1: <laughs> no, we had to watch like our counselors like reenact the crucifixion and then like the counselor, the director of the camp would be like, who wants to be saved? And all the kids weeping would be like, me, me, me. Uh, this is all to say another part of that was like, immediately after this, another part of this camp, after that like raw experience was like, the counselors would all be in a circle and it was like if you need to go pray with your counselors about something that's happening in your life go do it what? and so you're kind of compelled these kids were all compelled to like go to counselors stand in line with counselors and basically just cry about what was happening in their lives and what was and like share that with these like basically strangers and like these weird authority figures at that point because they're counselors
0: right um, but that is to your point not the that's same cult-y. as like culty
1: Not the same as theater games, but I do think like on the whole, what we're really talking about is just like creating space where people can express pain that they wouldn't normally get to in any other circle. And through that, you create community and you can do that through a theater game or you could do that explicitly through a crucifixion, you know, Whatever, (laughs) whatever you need to do to make that. Like visceral emotional connection to the the people around you, Uh, because I guess Uh, RAs need to feel like emotionally connected to everyone. I don't know. I don't fucking
0: know. At what point does I'm just wondering, like, at what point does the line get crossed into like where where do we veer into cult territory? Because I would argue that the experience at that Christian camp is like the foundations of a cult. However, the connection between religion and cults is like not, it's, it's implicit, I would argue. Um, but I definitely don't, the thing about that camp
1: is I do think there is a reason why that camp, that camp has a very loyal following. And I think... To this day. Yes, very much so. And like, I loved it as a kid. I loved it.
0: Right. Um, wow.
1: It was a great camp. It Because there was such love, like, the counselors deeply cared about, mm. like, they weren't very standoffish. They weren't just there for the job. Every counselor who worked there was very, like, emotionally invested in the kids who went, mm-hmm. um, which I think is special. And, like, that's an outlet for kids, you know, any kid. Um, you don't right. have to really even have problems, like, just being loved in that way by, like, a bunch of people that don't know you is a powerful thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, when I, I actually was a counselor for one week, um, and it was through this counseling experience that I realized that I didn't really jive with religion anymore, um, or at least How not old that were you? not that brand of it. Uh, I was a I was in 11th grade. You could be okay. a junior counselor. You could be a junior counselor in 11th grade. Okay. So. I was a junior counselor and I was there for one week and I became disillusioned because I was on the other end of those crying kids. Mm-hmm. And, and I like kids would at the end of the night, like be like, come talk to me about my abusive household or like, here's the, oh the stuff I'm going through. And, uh, you know, and they'd be like, point to me in the Bible, what, you know, how it's going to fix it. And I was like, I can't, Uh, it was like very disillusioning to be on the other end of like those crying kids and like I was like the solution is not I I am not your solution Mm -hmm. Uh, like this camp counselor is not your solution a social worker is maybe your solution um (laughs) (laughs) so that really I had a full arc I had a full arc of like uh when I you know through that camp uh, my parents weren't religious. I forced a friend of mine to take me to church, uh, for most of my like middle school, junior high. And then, um,
0: wait, how did you get into, out? if your parents weren't into it, I guess what was your first like exposure to like, what drew you the, to the that camp. community? The oh, camp. Okay. Okay.
1: My, my mom took me to this camp in the third grade and I went every year and it was very much like a highlight of my year. Um, and uh she took me just because it was like known as like the best camp for kids i do not think like the religion was obviously a part of it but i just don't think it was like the brochure wasn't super explicit about it if i'm gonna be honest like it was kind of low-key i don't think that they were fully upfront about like on thursdays we have crucifixion night i don't think that was something that that was disclosed in the brochure i don't
0: (laughs) Like here's he I, I I'm feeling conflicted over this whole thing because it's like I'm trying really hard to suspend my own bias as it pertains to like religion specifically like the Christian complex and and how we teach like morality and ethics and everything else that I kind of find to be bullshit but like you're. You're putting young adults in charge of children who are incredibly emotional and are looking for. I feel like when you're a kid, you're just looking for something tangible that can that can provide you with structure and answers. Like mm-hmm. you just you just want to know and you want to like have feel like there's a purpose even from a young age. I feel like that's sort of like the draw to religion. Um, but you're putting these young adults in charge of these kids who are potentially admitting some pretty heavy emotional shit for the first time in their lives, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And then the onus is then on this young adult to show them something in the Bible that's going to help them. I mean, I don't know if that's a healthy approach. Like, is there any training no. on, like, the like the camp counselor side? Eh.
1: Very light training, especially for the junior counselors who are only there for, like, a week. It's, like, kind of low stakes. Oh, my God. Um, but, I mean... I went through a whole, like my moment of difference was I, by the way, and this is to be said, I have a friend who's, um, a very close friend who, um, is religious and very, uh, devout. And I would say like doing Christianity right in a way, um. Uh, not to offend any of your listeners but just because so she comes at it from like a social justice perspective and like from a I am involved in the church because the church is supposed to be like serving the community and so for a while and like I won't speak completely for her but like something that we discussed was like but she also recognized that like religion also hurts people and there's some people that like like, she doesn't necessarily try and talk to me about religion because she knows that I had very negative... It's very hard to talk about religion if you have been exposed and hurt by... It's like, you know, let me sell you this thing that looks very similar, but, you you know, it looks like the thing that hurt you, but it's not the thing that hurt you. Right. Um, I think that there's, like, a... Like there is um what what made me like fall out of it was honestly like a uh, my best friend came out to me knowing that I was still a bigot knowing that I thought that gay people didn't exist knowing that I thought it was sinful um, oh my gosh
0: you mean, you authentically like thought those things absolutely
1: absolutely because now
0: I can't wow that's hard for me to fathom no friend. and wow. so
1: what so my best friend of multiple years came out to me at like 1 a.m on the 15th of February, we celebrate it like an anniversary because oh. we're, <laughs> we're out of our minds. No, um, that's sweet. And uh, uh, he came out to me kind of knowing that it wasn't fully something that, that I was open to hearing at that point. And uh, it was so funny because in that instance when he told me, I immediately accepted it, loved him. And realized in that moment that I was like, oh, if, if my religion is telling me that I'm not supposed to fully love and embrace my best friend, something's wrong with the religion.
0: Yeah. Like oh I, mm-hmm. I had an
1: instant 180 when in that moment, like I had it because for me, I was like, my love for religion did not, it was not the size of my love for my best friend. Right. And so I was like, it was funny. That was literally like the 180 moment where I started questioning uh, the morals that had been placed, the values that had been placed, the, like, I was like all these stories and narratives that mm-hmm. I had like kind of taken as true. And I was like, Oh, like, You were able I, to like, just
0: make that distinction. Instantly. Yeah. I, I'm sure that there's
1: plenty of people that that does not happen to. But for right. me, it was very much like a 180 situation. So I was like, I was like bigot, 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 (laughs) bigot. Like didn't understand like immigration. Didn't understand like I was. uh, My like parents uh, listened to Rush Limbaugh in the morning. Uh, My parents gave me. I had a book called Bill O'Reilly for kids. No, Um,
0: did he write a children's book?
1: It's basically like for teenagers. It was like Bill O'Reilly giving lessons to teenagers, and like one of the chapters was about like abstinence. Um, oh
0: my god. And
1: like, and like, don't do drugs, kids. And that was kind of like, that was the trajectory. And yet also doing theater. So I was kind of like living this weird, like, parallel, like, it didn't really make sense. Like, I had conflicting personality traits. And then uh, my true personality traits won out is, I think, what really happened. Like, Absolutely. as soon as my my best friend came out, I was like, I actually started to explore who I was and not who
2: different entity yeah who I was told I
1: was supposed to be so uh yeah the last two years of high school were a ride
0: he came out he
1: came out in the 10th grade so it I was a late bloomer in that regard
0: that's incredible and really um beautiful to hear that like you totally could have had the adverse reaction which was like starting to feed him like lines from the bible and have this like no no you're confused you're 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 choosing this why are you choosing like that sort of fucking heinous rhetoric that's often spewed but wow that's um so that was the because i was gonna say like it sounds like from the christian camp and you're sort of like overzealous like you know infatuation almost with like that community going to church every sunday even though your parents wouldn't go to church you'd find a ride like you were in it you were in like the th- the thick of it it sounds like and then this one thing sort of just altered your entire trajectory yes, into making I... you who you are like that was the the pinnacle that was the moment i'll tell you a funny so like
1: we um my best friend and i were a part of this trip and this was like a year before he came out and so he was trying to give me seeds as, like, through our friends. And I think it's just funny because I'm almost wonder if his, like, coming out moment was, like, him just being, like, Puck it. I can't plant any more seeds. I'm just going
0: <laughs> to come out. Yeah, what were
1: these seeds? Like, I just remember one seed was us having a conversation where I essentially was, like, well, I guess it's okay to be gay. Because, like, it's basically, like, I like chocolate chip cookies and someone else likes vanilla cookies. And I shouldn't be mad at them because they like vanilla cookies. That's literally, like, the That's seed. That's exactly it. That is literally the seed that he, like... And I remember him, like, walking away with that conversation and being like, sure. Sure. Like, if that's the stepping stone that we need to talk about in terms of cookies, (laughs) then we will talk in terms of cookies. Um, But that was, yeah, that's the only seed I really remember, like, clearly. Um, But, yeah. So, I love him. He's, like, still one of my best friends.
0: Yeah. Um, That's incredible. I had, um... Just like really... I also spent a lot of time in camps growing up. Again, loved being out of the house. Um, and I went to a Christian camp with my sister because... Well, I guess technically it was... Well, it was a Christian camp even though we were um, Catholic. Um, but my sister and I went to this camp and it was at a church like near our hometown. And the only memory I have I mean other than like them we would have classes where we would read from like a children's bible workbook thing where you would like learn different lessons of the day I was really there just to be the butterfly in the pageant um Which, we all you know, have reason. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I was just excited to be a butterfly in the pageant and just wear the butterfly wings. That's all I cared about. Um, but my one, like, standout memory, it was not as crazy and intense as your experience. But um, I was wearing flip-flops and we were outside in the parking lot, like, playing because it was a break. And we were running around, all the kids, and I like tripped and fell like over my flip-flop. And I like really tore up my foot. And all of like the, they weren't nuns, but they were like nuns in disguise. They were wearing like plain clothing, but they were like nuns okay okay and sisters like I don't know and um they took me in and they like bandaged up my foot and they were so like shocked that I hurt myself like it was the biggest deal I was like it's just a cut I'm a kid I like fall down and scrape myself all the time um and so I hurt myself and then like an hour later they made this big announcement they like gathered all the kids in the gym and they were like we're banning flip-flops they're not safe for the children and i was like oh my god and my sister just looks at me and was like really like i like i i cost everyone their flip-flops at christian camp
1: wow aaron (laughs) big (laughs)
0: bummer i've always been a sinner (laughs) that's wild
2: don't go away we'll be right back with more busybody Is your flip making you flop?
0: Is the clumsiness of your feet offensive in the eyes of the Lord?
2: When your shoes go pell-mell, do you feel like you're going straight to hell?
0: Does the devil have a hold of those mortal souls?
2: Wanna go to heaven, but instead you're plastered like an ass across the everlasting asphalt?
0: Rosary beads? More like toesery needs to be restrained.
2: Jesus freaks? More like Jesus feats.
0: Throw your flip flops away and pray today.
2: And next time you pray, don't forget to use code BUSYBODY for 15% off. b-u-s-y b-o-d-y that's b-u-s-y b-o-d-y
0: that that's my only memory from that camp is i like tripped fell wore flip-flops and then an hour later there was a ban on them the devil came for you in the, the devil yeah. came yeah what the Absolutely. fuck is that
2: well it's great I, like microcosm for the extreme like the extreme part of it where it's like you, it's just either all one thing or it's all another thing but there's no in between like that's that seems wow. to be where all the trouble comes from you know it's like like you're talking about this recognition of like well I don't really believe this thing but now that my best friend says it like I can make room for that and it's like the idea of being able to make room for something in your head is so important I think and so the idea so the the alternate yeah. version of that is just like well we're going to ban flip-flops cuz this one thing happened like i feel like that like there's wow. I, I i don't know i, I don't understand i've never really understood that like eventually you, you can't do anything you like black it's and white very yourself binary. into a corner yeah mm-hmm.
1: oh my like theater friends hated me up until really? the 10th grade because after every year i would come back from camp and we would i would hang out with my heathen friends <laughs> And, and my, and I would basically for a month after camp every year, I would be like, no swearing. Oh, you were that. You can't swear. Like, not good. Like, no one, no one say damn. Like, no one say fuck. Like, whatever. And like, I, we were with like, as I was discussing, that's why I'm saying it was such like a weird, I was kind of juggling. I was holding two very conflicting
0: identities identities
1: because, Uh. uh, I would, you know, the people I love, the people I liked, the people I like shared a personality with were pirate mouthed theater <laughs> queers, uh, that like to do monologues on the weekends. Uh, and
0: goddamn heathens. Yeah. Hey, and like a monologue is no different than a Sunday sermon.
1: You're so right. But you Hello. know what? Uh, like I, I also like held, you know, you know, I loved Rent. That doesn't. Yeah. I don't know. I loved Rent and Spring Awakening. I would also say Spring Awakening, the musical, for anyone who knows it, is a mm-hmm. was also a big part of my my falling out. That mm-hmm. musical is literally about like adults ruining and killing children through like their like aversion to telling them the truth. Wow so but like through sex it's like based on like these like german school kids uh it's like was a play a german play and then they turn it into a musical um and it uh like yeah horrific things happen to these kids because like the parents like refuse to tell them like what happens when you have sex you know Mm. what does sex mean um uh, you know uh lack of nuance for like you know one one kid's storyline is like they're not as smart as the other kids, and they're dealing with, like, suicidal ideation. And instead of, like, dealing with it, like, they're in this, like, Germanic, like, 19th century society, right? But, like, uh, you know, instead of dealing with it, he's kind of left to his own devices, and that ends up also being, like, tragic for him. So uh, it's not a happy musical, but it was something that, like, as a A teenager...
0: It awoken you. It was your spring awakening.
1: Yeah, I was like, I was still going to camp, and I was like, there's something about this musical that I really jive with.
0: (laughs) Something about that rent uh, really gets me groovy.
1: Something about distrust in adults really connects with my core.
0: (laughs) There's this, I feel like, this inclination I think we all have that now i would argue is not just specific to childhood but it's i think most potent in childhood is like the uh, skepticism that you have around authority and specifically your parents um i feel like not every i can like point to certain people i'm thinking of them now like in high school that were very much like not they like loved and trusted their parents and like their parents knew best and that was that and like their parents were this omnipotent whatever and then there was like another faction of us that were very much like wait a minute I'm not now that I've experienced a little bit of life myself I I don't think that what I'm being told is actually the truth and I think I don't know I mean we were actually just talking about whether or not we were going to have kids but if if that ends up being my destiny, like, I don't... Th- I would not take any pleasure in, like, shielding my child from the truth of things. Or at least my version of the truth, you know? Like, I don't... I, I don't know what good that does.
1: I unfortunately think that we have little to no control over whether our children ultimately hate us.
0: Oh, really? Why?
1: I think you could be a great parent and your parent, your kids still don't like you. Like, because we're people with different personalities... And you could birth someone with a personality that you don't like, hmm. you, you know? You could birth someone whose personality doesn't jive with you. And uh, I, that's probably a really, I'm sorry for any parents that might be listening, but it's like, <laughs> Get out I here, think parents. that there is, I'm very much a big believer in like, I think it is important to talk about like parents as human beings and, um I feel like it's something that, as I've, like, we've, I'm sure we've met plenty of middle-aged people who are less mature, less emotionally connected, you Mm -hmm. know, haven't figured themselves out more than, like, you know, I've met, I've met, I was very, I met a, um, like a 15-year-old at a wedding, and she was so emotionally mature she was so smart. She was so funny. She was like whip smart. She acted like an adult. She was, I, I was like, I want to hang out with this kid. And it's a little feels almost inappropriate because she's so young. Mm. And for me, that's a red flag. Like I was like, that's awesome. I love who this little girl is going to become. She's going to be awesome in her twenties. Um, but it makes me sad because I know that if a 15 year old is acting like that, it's because they were asked to become an adult really early for some reason.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, so you okay? So her precociousness—if that's the word—like um, her acting as an adult was a red flag because. But but what if her like? What yeah, if I guess it maturity... couldn't just come out that way. Well, I'm. But it's just interesting that you say that because I kind of agree with you. It's like sad how certain. Kids, you question why they have to have their shit together at the age that they are. You're like, oh my gosh, what is going on at home that you... But I guess the other side of that is, like, what if she... Was she an only child? Do you know, like, her...
1: I, yeah, she could have been an old age There's definitely, like... It doesn't mean that necessarily, like, all of her family Something died. Something bad. Or, you, yeah. know, it, you know, it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be, like, outrageously tragic. But right. it does... I think that you do have to be exposed to... I guess it's just kind of like, in the same way that you can meet a 45 year old who still hasn't like, gained an emotional IQ, you can meet a 15 year old, who is like, exceeding that 45 year old. And I think I'm very fascinated with like, I think that people don't think about like, I think that people think that's just like, something that people are born with. Or like, we all evolve at the same rate. And that's Mm, why we have like, and that's why we have respect for the elderly. Cause like we have this idea that because they've lived so many years, that means they inherently are like smarter or wise. And that's not as that's not my personal feeling. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean (laughs) not belief. It's
0: just not my experience. I, I really agree with you. I, I don't think age equates to knowledge. Like I, it doesn't matter somebody can be 15 and have way more emotional maturity and knowledge than someone who is like 60. Um and I think it's um, like what you something you pointed out that I really resonate with is like looking at your parents as humans. And I think that's so hard to reconcile once you're at an age like I think around like 14 15 when you kind of start feeling your oats and you're yeah. like, I'm starting to kind of figure out who I want to be, even if I'm not that yet there, you sort of like feel like you're on a path towards something, towards some cultivating some personality. And I think that's when you start to see your parents as people. Um, but they, your parents push, at least in my case, my parents pushed back against that really hard. Like I... You know, like, like you should
1: see us as like these I'm stoic authority mother. figures, oh, yes.
0: Sorry. Like, I, think, yeah. I am your mother, and like that whole thing. And it's like, it, you know, and when you try to relate to them as people, like my dad was more open to it than my mom was. Um, but yeah, that's that's really interesting, and I feel like that's uh, I wish. I wish there was more of that from parents. Like I wish, I don't know how parents are these days. I like, I have no frame of reference for like what a parent is like now, but. It's hard though, though, and that's why I say you can't,
1: you can't really plan for if your kid's going to like you because I've met plenty of best (laughs) friend parents. Best friend parents are also can be very detrimental. Like best friend parents that act like your peer Mm -hmm. from the day that you are born which some parents take that approach, right? And that's, like, honesty, right? That's Mm -hmm. being true about what happens in life. That can also end up, like, being detrimental in some ways for, like, certain developmental parts of your brain.
0: 100%. Um,
1: So, whatever. I'm not a parent. I can only speak from the... I can only speak from my child perspective.
0: Yeah. Okay, so mommy bloggers, calm those pussies down. (laughs) (laughs) Calm your pussies down, girl. Uh, I do
1: have I ever told you, Erin, did I tell you about the tarot card story with my mom? No, 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 please tell me. Well, connected so my mom and I went to a tarot card reader when we were like I was seventeen, eighteen. And she we got a tarot card reading done together. We're not like we were not tarot card family, but for some reason we did this. But you are a
0: Christmas card family. We were not a Christmas card family. (laughs) Damn it.
1: But um, uh, my mom's religious belief was uh, like, she was a, she believed in the Christian God, but also reincarnation and karma. And so she kind of just like took what she wanted and like called it a day. Um, I get that. uh, Yeah, I understand
0: that. Yeah, Yeah.
1: so she went to, uh, we went to a tarot card reader and this tarot card reader said to my mom and I in this like group reading, that she was like, um, it was a reading that was like looking into like the like journeys of our souls. And during this tarot card reading, the she said that my mom had my mom was in the exact same place in her soul journey that I was as like a and I was 18 and she was you know 50, and you know I was like I kind oh of like sat, I was like I it, it was it made a lot of sense um, at you know um, I know who my mom was and like uh, she was like she was like oh yeah. it's so funny because I think a lot of moms would maybe be like upset by such a reading but my mom was like totally like yes we are totally in the same like trajectory of our souls and we're just now meeting (laughs) and and uh I always thought that was like an interesting moment because I was like thinking about the tarot card reader and I'm like this could have gone poorly like what if she didn't want to hear that she was in the same soul place as her like younger daughter it's kind of weird
0: I wonder um, if like a part of your mom's maybe like the ego part of her was like, Oh, I'm like akin to an eighteen year old. Like that's kinda hit. Like maybe she's like that was yeah. Totally.
1: It's like that means her so- her soul is still young, right? Exactly. At like the age of fifty. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Oh, that's so my mom and I went to my mom since her dad's passing, I was I was ten when my grandfather died, my mom's dad. And she was always, like, more open. I mean, we. Li- I think maybe it was, like, the proximity to Salem. I don't know what the catalyst was. But my mom was really interested in, like, you know, getting answers, t- talking mm. to her father, getting some closure, whatever that mm. meant for her. And she brought us to, or she just took me, um, to this, like, clairvoyant medium um and she recorded the session on tapes and so i had that tape for a very long time (laughs) and um my mom i think my mom probably still has her tape but we went there and we did our sessions separately but like one thing that came through for both of us was like um like the the psychic knew that my grandfather was involved in politics somehow like she, she like she's like I'm getting the song grand old flag and a lot of patriotism and like red white and blue and this man is like really singing grand old flag and I was like oh my god like that's my fucking grandfather um but I, I wonder what my mom's like experience was my parents divorce would have happened very shortly if not even at the mm. same time so I wonder but um My psychic said something to me, or the psychic, not my psychic.
1: (laughs) My personal psychic that I go to every (laughs) week.
0: My clairvoyant. um, She, like, said something about my sister that I kind of, like, very vaguely remember. It was something about my sister and, like, a marriage or something. And my sister was 16 at the time. And I wanted to play my sister the tape. But the psychic told me not to tell my sister what she had told me. And I swear on everything when I, when my sister was like, I want to hear your session. I started to play the tape and it broke. I, oh. I, I swear on <laughs> everything. And I was like, I don't necessarily believe in like, God as a beard with a man, but in like personified, but whatever, you know, whatever power that was at play there did not want my sister to know whatever it was the psychic had revealed
1: That's so funny. I like that. (laughs) I (laughs) would. That's horrifying, though. I don't like... I I also don't like it in the exact same
0: way. (laughs) I love it. I like when when there's just, like, these weird uh, synchronicities, these moments where it's, like, oh, my God, that happened for this reason, or, like, oh, my God, that's happening because this can't happen, or, like, Mm. yeah, but... Wow. That's So when did you start? Cuz now you're you're into tarot. So you had this your your journey through religion and spirituality is sort of lofty, I would say. You started from like this very Christian uh background and now you've mm-hmm. graduated into this very open mm-hmm. spiritual being. What what was that? What is this?
1: Yeah. I think I think I would call I I think it would like be like baby witch right now. Um, I think it definitely happened as a part of, um, I started to get into, I really do think like, I started to get into yoga and then pole dancing. And I, when I started pole dancing, I really had never, especially as like a plus size person who's been like big their entire life. The concept of like showing my skin and like playing with my body was something that just was never really open to me as a concept, mm-hmm. and so I really find pole dancing to be kind of like a like a elevated state of mind for me, um, and it was and it's allowed me like through pole dancing like I wear less clothing, mm-hmm. and like I am unafraid to like post images or like of my body. Working, I had, like, such a reverence for, like, my body for the first time in terms of, like, what it's capable of doing. Wow. Um, Because I think, like, the narrative, especially for people who are overweight or, like, plus size or whatever, is that, like, if you are overweight, you can't do anything. Like, until you lose that weight, your body is actually incapable of being strong, of being uh, revered, of, like, working for you. Um, I think it's like, you know, when you go to a doctor – It's like, if you have any kind of problem, even if like respiratory or anything, they're like, well, have you lose, have you lost weight? It's like the first step to any kind of like body and health journey starts with weight. Mm -hmm. And so um, I say this all to say, like, I think through pole, I started to get this weird um, kind of reverence for my body, reverence for myself, more of an appreciation and gratitude for my body, which is like, is extended into yoga? And as I as I kind of started exploring that, I also started exploring meditation. I still can't do more than like five minutes, but...
0: But that's you know, good. Five stillness. Minutes,
1: um, stillness, right? Stillness, like, yeah. I, I started kind of playing more in like these like mindfulness and like body awareness areas of my life. And they became so important to me. I don't know how exactly I started with, I just decided to start... I got a witch subscription box. Like like the dirty... <laughs> like the dirty, dirty millennial Wait, in LA that I am.
0: This is so on brand for Ashley. I'm sorry. You fucking I... <laughs> got a witch subscription. Okay, you go into Ashley's house. She goes, Erin, have you heard of BarkBox? Erin, have you heard of Winebox? Erin, have you heard of FabFitFun? <laughs> you are... This is so I, on brand for you.
1: <laughs> I love subscription
0: boxes. You love subscription boxes.
2: <laughs> Honestly, like, so, who wouldn't love subscription boxes? Though, what a great a little, idea!
1: We, yeah, especially in modern society, we don't give gifts. I don't know about you guys, but like, I don't get a lot of gifts anymore. Uh, okay, like, you're any, dropping a hint.
0: Like, what are you asking for? No, I, <laughs> it's actually one of my
1: like one of my like goals that I have is to actually remember people's birthdays and like, mm-hmm. if I can get them some kind of gift because like, That's I nice. do feel like we're so we're not in tune with like people's birthdays. I don't know why I've decided that's important, but,
0: um, it feels really hill I will die on. It's the hill I'm
1: going to die on. No, but I think it's because like a friend of mine is very, very like always, always sends me a gift on my birthday. And I'm like, that is so, it's thoughtful. Mm -hmm. That's so thoughtful. Uh, so I think subscription boxes are basically presents to yourself and I like it. Um, and, uh, but I started getting a witch box, um, and it's Tamed Wild, if anyone's interested. I really think mm. it's a really great... Like, most boxes come with, like, uh, some kind of booklet, which gives you a little bit of background into kind of the usually, like, uh, like Norse mythology or uh, kind of cycles of the moon or, like, something that's connected to, like, whatever your subscription for that month is associated with. And I don't know why. I think it was, like, it started off as, like, just a, an extension of mindfulness and it it was an extension of getting to it's like self-reflective practice um Mm, totally all all witchery is what tarot cards are right Uh, a friend of mine made a joke that's like tarot cards are either going to tell you the best thing that you want to hear or the worst thing there's no middle ground there's no like (laughs) middle you're never going to get a tarot card that's like it's fine like you're either going to get to tarot card that like something in your life is completely fucked or you're gonna get a tarot card that's like you're awesome
0: disagree but come and,
1: on oh well i just you know i it's you're going to connect with it it's it's like a self-reflective practice it's like it's less that the cards are telling you something and it's more that you are seeing yourself through the card 100%. um and in the same way with like i started playing with crystals and stuff it's like putting intention out and being purposeful um and i just don't have a lot of uh so that's what i'm currently exploring it's like is it spirituality? Maybe. I don't know. I'm still kind of parsing that out. I, I I really think at this point I'm exploring it for, like, the mindfulness and the self-reflection and the ritual. I like the ritual. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of, like, designated me time. Yeah. But uh, I don't know how much of the spiritual part of it I'm necessarily... Fully engaging with.
0: Yeah. Um, Maybe yeah. that's like a label. that That's like. I guess a label you could put on it. But I think it's whatever. I mean. I sort of like. View spirituality as like an all encompassing. Like everything you just said. To me falls under like that sort of umbrella. Of like spirituality. It's like connecting with your spirit. Which like for you. And I think it was like so beautifully put. How your body. Kind of was the the point that pushed you to like look inward and find your power inward and extend it because you through pole dancing you could see what your body was capable of and how strong it is and like how powerful it is and that kind of inspired you to look inward and go oh well if my outward is doing this inside it's manifesting from some source yeah um and then now you're exploring like through the like the mind-body connection like how like, your body moves and is powerful and inside you're powerful and in your mind you have the ability to, like, um, you know, harness and, like, manifest perhaps or, or Mm -hmm. imbue things with intention that can, yeah, just, that's, that's awesome. I love that.
1: Yeah. Do I need to burn paper to set (laughs) an intention? No, but I like burning paper.
0: I like fire. Yeah. And, um, And, uh, yeah, I like the smell of sage. So sorry to pull you from the conversation, folks, but we gotta take a short break.
2: Hey, are you a witch? No, seriously, are you? Do you love night cruising on your enchanted piece of plywood? High above the clouds, the light is yours to wield when suddenly, ouch! A splinter? There is not a spell for that. Witch wax has got you covered. Made and blessed by a shaman in the basement of a rented condo in West Covina, Witchwax is 65.666% organic. It comes neatly packaged in a small satchel and goes on like butter. Our special non-stick lightweight formula assures your flight won't get faltered. Use the promo code BUSYBODY for 15% off. That's B-U-S-Y-B-O-D-Y. B-U-S-Y-B-O-D-Y. Witchwax. Because nobody needs a splinter in their sphincter.
1: I don't know. I'm very much baby right now. Baby witch, mm-hmm. figuring it out. Um, I think the one thing I am attracted to is, like, uh, I did start looking at, like, goddess magic, which oh, is, like, yeah. identifying goddesses. And I think, actually, my partner said something that, like, I actually... It made me feel, like, more comfortable exploring it because I was like, oh, goddess magic, like, it's, it's a step away from Christianity. I was <laughs> like, you know, I would have to believe in the deities, right? I would have to right. believe... That the deities exist, and um, and then what uh, what Joey said is he said um, I see the goddesses right they're they they are represented in every religion in some way shape or form the same archetypes right the yeah. same stories are represented in religions of different cultures across the world through time and history that Correct. have like you know embodied and manifested in different ways mm-hmm. and all it is is it's different parts of your personality it's like each of the goddesses is
0: just Mm -hmm. it's a
1: faction of yourself and you're choosing to worship or like make an intention with this part of yourself and it's like it's like there is actually and that's why people are able to see themselves in any goddess because we are capable of being like these different archetypes so uh to that end i'm I am thinking about something I've been really interested in and something that is tied with like religion that I've always been fascinated with is I am like obsessed with the concept of Lilith who's um, from like Jewish mythology, but also before that she was Ishtar um, and is, you know, different manifestations, but she's essentially like known as like the mother of demons or also known as like the first woman who was paired with Adam before Eve And then, um, basically she was like, I'm an independent bitch. I will not be subservient. I'm not going to do this. And God was like, well, if you're not going to be subservient, then I need you to get the fuck out. And she was like, I will get- did
0: that take place in Eden?
1: Yes. So like, that was, that's the idea. And so God was like, I need you to get the fuck out if you're not going to play by the rules. And she was like, I will get the fuck out. I'll become the mother of demons. And uh, so that's like what she's known as like like the mother of demons. Like the story is like God cast her out and she became kind of like this demon figure. But she's wow. you know but she's kind of like in different manifestations. that's not like the only story of her. but in every manifestation, she's kind of this like goddess of self-independence and Love it. Uh, like choosing to live for yourself and for like kind of nobody else. Um, and what also text se-
0: is that in
1: And also sex. Uh, oh, I, uh,
0: amazing
1: And lots of Because um, all goddesses are like And also fertility <laughs> I um,
0: <know. laughs> although But it can be, also mean yeah. fertility of the earth as well Mother earth You're so right fertile, You know it's not inherently our, our uh,
1: I, uteri I know but I do get a little irritated When I do look at the different goddesses And they're all like mm, this specific thing But also fertility uh, yeah. This specific thing and also fertility
0: <laughs> Don't forget you bleed every month
1: Dup. Well, not me. Thanks, Morena. IUD.
0: I'm a new moon menstrual cycle gal, so I'm wow. having mine right now. Wait, so... <laughs> okay, so... Uh... Wow, I have so much I want to ask. Okay, this might be... Well, first of all, wh- what text is this story of, of Lilith in? Because I've only... My only familiarity with Lilith is in my birth chart.
1: <laughs> like, Oh, I know she's in your birth Lilith chart? Is.
0: Yeah, I have a Lilith.
1: That's, that's very telling, Erin. Really, um, you should look into it. I bet you'd really vibe with her. Um, she's she has lots of iterations. I do not feel com- like I don't think it's like one text because okay. it's not even like even if there is some text around like Jewish folklore, which is kind of how I initially knew who she was. I saw this piece of art uh, that was like um, it was it was Lilith as a demon on the wall of the art museum. Like she was in this on the ceiling oh, as like oh, a I've creature. Seen that yes and i was like this bitch is my bitch i was like i (laughs) love this like she's supposed to be like almost creepy like the art piece is like a a blackened woman creature crawling on the ceiling
0: oh my god and sistine chapel right (laughs) And,
1: and like and i and i was like this is my bitch i love her i need to know more about her um and but yeah, I did look. I started doing a little bit of research, and like her former name is also like Ishtar. So I feel like there's not like one. There is a Lilith in like Sumerian text.
0: Okay. So wow.
1: It's like that's why I'm saying like there's just it's like same archetypes. Right. Same, same shtick, different names.
0: Right. And I I love what you said. Like all these archetypes represent. Like I guess my sort of takeaway is like all these archetypes represent the different energies we have within us. Like, we're not just like, and I air quotes here, masculine or feminine energies, right? Like we have those energies manifest in like love, sex, anger, power, independent, like all these different sort of feelings, I guess. And like, we all have that within us kind of mixing and mingling. And like, I wonder how all of these archetypes and like the energies they represent relate to chakras, if they relate at all. Well, I'm what... is... oh, yeah. sorry. Oh no, go Isaac.
2: I was just going to say that, that seems like it literalizes it even more of what you're talking about. The concept of it being aspects of you, because it's literally just parts of your body. It's like the, the, it's, it's like it outgrowths of your personality and how it manifests as opposed to outside beings. It's, it feels like a, it feels like it is kind of what you were talking about, right? This like, well, yeah, that's, that's all I was going to say, but I, uh,
1: I think that that is personally easier for me to swallow mm-hmm. than a concept of like, there is actual deities. Like that, it, yeah. that doesn't, it doesn't vibe with me with like my history. Like it that just is never going to sit well with me. Um, but so yeah, but I do still, I'm still gravitating towards it. So.
2: Well, you know what I think is really cool about this is that that is part of the that is part of how you practice is you're analyzing what feels right to you and then choosing it. And and it's so weird how we talk about these archetypes of like Lilith and stuff. And it's like, that has recurred across the years. Why, why have humans repeatedly chosen belief systems that literally demonize self-care? Like what,
0: what is this? Like
2: there's this idea of like, if you ever do anything because it feels right just for you, that you must be selfish. And like that, I mean, that is the thing that I've car- had the hardest time that I still carry with me from previously being religious is like, I don't know how, like, I, I never knew how to take care of myself because I felt like any amount of it was selfish, you know? And
1: mm-hmm. I think what you're told to do, at least in like a lot of, uh, I just listened to like a comedian joke about this, about how, um, Catholics don't understand Protestants because, uh, because Protestants are like are taught that they have like a personal relationship with Jesus. Hmm. That like you go straight to Jesus with your problems. <laughs> and Catholics are like, I have to talk to like twelve saints
2: to so like I'm not supposed to
1: like I'm not supposed to bother Jesus right. like with my problems.
2: Go to the middleman.
1: Like right. we have to we have to go talk to like the saints that are specifically designated for my specific problem. Um, and so I do think, like, the self-care notion almost gets from, like, just from, like, the religion that I experienced is, like, the self-care is praying or the self-care is... Which there are studies that, like, so meditation is definitely good for you. It, it mm. studies brain good. Like, people who practice daily meditation are very good. And I think that same study that I, was, uh, I learned in the psychology class found that praying actually did the same thing.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: like meditation and praying almost were the same practice.
0: That doesn't surprise me.
1: And so because uh, it's it's just yeah, so it's kind of like you're a similar focusing, thing.
0: You're getting your brain to either do one thing at the same time or nothing at no time. Right. So I think Does that's that like sense? The,
1: I think that's like the self care that like at least Protestant religion and Catholic religion offers is almost like prayer. Yeah. As self care, and it's like that's. But in terms of like role models, you're completely right. It's like, what are the people who are like the demonized part? People are the people who make selfish decisions.
2: Right. Yeah. I like Lilith like, well, or what, Lucifer or whatever. Like I. Well,
0: what were you gonna say? No, I was gonna say like what you said was really interesting about like this shame that stems from like religion that's associated with, like, self-care, and, like, biblically, even, and, like, I'm, I mean, of course, this is all through, like, a largely Judeo-Christian lens, but, um, but I mean, like, that was, that's really interesting, and I think one thing that, like, I always relate it back to is, like, religion is so fucking and like the the Christian white Judeo-Christian institution is so embedded in capitalism and so structured around capitalism that yes I am now making this about capitalism because any amount which it's interesting because I think now self-care is a direct product Of capitalist practices you can sell things to make yourself feel good and now there's less shame associated with taking care of yourself because the powers that be have found a way to commodify it and and make money off of it that being said still there's like this shame and stigma associated with like you know taking care and I feel like there's this association with like laziness or doing less or taking more time for yourself equates to either like a selfishness or a laziness or a lack of work ethic or whatever and I think a lot of that has to do with capitalist practices like I think religion informed the way our economy and I mm-hmm. think like this is like I don't know if that's a stretch and if I'm not making no sense, let me know not a but like at all. Yeah. It's, There's a, uh, I
1: just, I'm listening to a pod- series of podcasts right now. And it's from this, like, it's called scene on radio, like scene, like S-E-E-N-E. And it's one that's deconstructing whiteness. And then one that's deconstructing gender. Um, and it kind of touches on it's both of those are like complementary to what you're saying. Cause they, uh, they go through the history of how we constructed the concept of race and how we constructed the concept of uh, like male patriarchy. And um, in both of those stories, they are tied together because um, capitalism, basically. Like the, the re, like a lot of the reasons why things need to be constructed is because there was money to be made. Um, and uh, I think one of the coolest things from that podcast was like they talk about how we have this like common idea that prejudice causes oppression like because we are prejudiced towards the people and so we choose to oppress them because we do not like them right but it, the history actually goes into how oppression was actually like causes prejudice because capitalism kind of uh, like in the instance like we it wasn't like we um, like in the slave trade or uh, it those decisions weren't necessarily made Because they were like, oh, these people are less than, so we will enslave them. It's like, we are going to enslave these people that we have happened upon. We need to come up with a reason because the Christian God wouldn't be okay with us enslaving people, right? That's bad. And so we need to come up with a reason why it's okay, in the eyes of God, to enslave certain people. Oh, and so the oppression actually came before the prejudice because they needed to come up with like a, a reason for like the slavers to still make money. Right. Racism
2: as a marketing tactic, basically. Yes.
1: Yeah, so they yeah. were like, yeah. So they were like, okay, the God, the church is okay with you guys making money on these people because, or selling their bodies because we have deemed that God actually thinks that they're lesser, mm-hmm. but that wasn't a belief that was before the practice so uh that was like that's like one of the most interesting things is like from the podcast is like how oppression is constructed is like not necessarily it's like most of the time constructed because there was money on the table mm. and we needed to come up with a moral workaround. but that's to make like, the money
0: i guess i just i mean <sighs> like we've all seen prince of egypt like, we all know that, like, <laughs> <laughs> enslavement, like, even even if you didn't have the foresight back in, like, when was the, like, when was the slave trade? What century? Like, 16? When was
1: the Prince of Egypt? I don't actually know. I don't,
0: like, predates all of this. But, but like, I, I just, I have a hard time, like, understanding how you moralize that. Like, what even well. in the Bible, what would you point to? You know what I mean? As as I feel, it's not necessarily
1: that the Bible has to have it in there, right? Yeah. As long as your leaders say it. Was that what you're going to say, Isaac?
2: Well, no, I mean, I, I think that's true, too. <laughs> I, was, I was going to say that I've talked to a lot of people who, who still will sort of rationalize things as this, like, it's in the interest of human achievement. Like, people are like, well, you know, slavery is bad, but we never would have built the pyramids without slaves. And it's kind of like, okay, why did we need to build the pyramids?
0: Also, it was aliens.
2: Yeah, right. Do no, I say that, that
0: seriously? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was literally not a human who built those. Um, yeah, no, I think that's why that? there's been uh
1: That's a. I think a part of that, like a part of that discussion, is like um, uh, we've also like changed our language around slavery, in particular, where there um, uh, there is a greater call to use terms like enslaved and um, in enslaved people instead of slaves because it uh, makes it like an identity marker versus like trying to oh grapple God. with the truth of what was happening.
0: Okay. Um, oh, I like that. I like that new. So like saying yeah.
1: like saying enslaved people versus like enslavers, because like what, when you say enslavers, that means you're saying in the word like they are people who thought it was okay. Like, you, you right. know, like, it changes the language becomes the more demonizing towards mm-hmm. Uh, the enslavers um, and uh, anyway so I thought that was like it, another notion of like how our language like waters it down a little because it's like achievement and
0: absolutely yeah. and yeah. even like I mean Isaac I don't know what I, I'm assuming our experience was similar here but Isaac and I are from the northeast and so even like I think people have this misperception that like because slaves fled to the north that it's like this uh safe haven for people of color which is not uh even remotely true um I feel like Boston specifically is like very racist um (laughs) and like Uh, my hometown I think we could all possibly agree on that and I even my hometown I mean there's like separations within my hometown and it's like oh um you know everyone who had who is low income and um is not white lives in central peabody um other people who um have money and are white have their own grocery store even in west peabody um other like there's all these like you know separations even within my hometown which is in the northeast but well, I was gonna say, and I'm wondering. Well, I think how, that's like... important
1: to like. I think that's important why you make the distinction between like racism isn't human to human. It's like when we talk about racism, it's a system. It's not uh, this person, your grandpa, that's mean, right? right. It's not meanness. Like right. being like being mean is actually low on the totem pole, in terms of like, in terms of like reform and things that.
0: <laughs> right. The systemic. Un- yes, totally. And I'm just wondering, like. Isaac, like and Ashley as well, like what your experiences were with your textbooks, but like in textbooks, in middle school and high school, like I we spoke, we learned about like enslaved people, and we learned about you know we we knew that it was bad, quotes, Quotes. No, but I, this but is kind of like feel like it didn't feel as no, you know,
1: no, I think that's kind of what Isaac was saying, where it's like the narrative is, but it was all good because it. You know, if that hadn't happened, we wouldn't have the achievement we have now. Like, that's kind Mm -hmm. of the narrative in the textbook. It totally is. This was a necessary evil. Like, that's kind of the... That's the framing of it. It's like an
2: unspoken framing. Yeah, definitely. But, like, they're like, well, it's bad that this happened, but it's pretty cool that we have all this stuff. So I guess it evens out, is sort of the way, like, people tend to say it. Like... It's so
0: true. Oh, my God.
2: I think also
1: a lot of people, like, in, I mean especially in Arkansas schools, definitely the narrative was also like it, they like enslaved people had it good. Like that's literally the narrative. What? Really? Yes. 100%. How did you
0: learn about it? Give us the skinny. Yeah, I want
1: to unpack that more. Like, <laughs> yeah. like they would draw attention to like well, if they you know, they're like the people enslaving them would give them three meals a day and clothe them and give them like, there was a emphasis on, like, and I'm, uh, there was an emphasis on why it's not so bad. Mm. Um, so I thought that was in everyone's textbooks, but that oh definitely God. was, like, the framing in, like, Arkansas textbooks um, uh, was, like, a focus on why it isn't so bad.
2: Interesting. How do they characterize the North and South relationship? in the textbooks
0: mm. good question uh
1: i think that one is more cut and dry because i think you're still the narrative is still that slavery bad right mm-hmm. that it's still that's the explicit narrative but i think the implicit narrative is like the why the south was not the total bad guys
0: mm-hmm Okay, that's what I right. was like <laughs> the way right Like the narra
1: like the narrative is like the South, you know, they weren't completely amoral. Mm. here's like here's proof that they weren't completely immoral. and also we need to remember that that's the only way they made money. I think the narrative is like if they didn't enslave people, they wouldn't be able to make money. And so if they did weren't it, so basically what that was what the Civil War was about. Right. It's like, like making the focus more about like how people made money, huh? which is farming.
2: Right. Uh, They're like, oh, it was just that kind of time. Like you don't understand; it's a different time.
1: Totally. Like, Versus like yeah. the North was like the North was like industry factories. Let's you know chop little children's fingers off in <laughs> in in like giant machines, which is also true. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I have no fingers. <laughs>
1: i'm like yeah i can Um, speak to that actually (laughs) uh yeah so i would say like the narrative is like north is like you know industry and factories and so that is the only reasons like it's like like, more the narrative is around like money and how money is made in the different parts of the the country
2: like this is Um, our thing this is what we had
1: yeah so it kind of like skirts the issue right kind of like skirts around the actual conversation that needs to be had because it's just like, well, but, uh, money demands that this is the way that life is.
0: It's so fucked up. We've, I, I remember two things. One, I remember being from the Northeast, this, this feeling of like righteousness, like, well, we had done right by them. <laughs> yeah. was sure. like that. That's like my memory, which is, um, not, uh, I, uh, I don't know. It's not good. It doesn't solve any problems, but I remember feeling like, oh, well we provided a haven. So like, good on us. That was sort of the narrative I felt like. And, um, yeah. Two, um, I almost, I'm very, very passionate. I want to, I want to be very wealthy. Yes. And I want to be very successful. Okay. (laughs) Those are things I will not hide, but what I, what I really passionate about and like, I I want to speak to someone about a massive overhaul of like education reform. Because how can you expect someone from Arkansas who did not have the path that you had, for example, like you had experiences that that enlightened you to thinking the way that you think today, thank God. But how can I like logistically faults for lack of a better word like how can I logistically like fault someone who is from Arkansas who was reading those textbooks who never got out of Fayetteville who whose life is so like did I say that wrong Fayetteville Fayetteville
1: you, just, you just said it with a real strong accent you were like did Fayetteville I? Oh, gross. <laughs> I and I was like no
0: that was so um... I was like it's
1: just Fayetteville but sure go ahead
0: <laughs> Fayetteville like how can I how I do think we the... course correct like if that's someone's reality how can I say that that's not like it's just the the someone dissonance? Shared, the someone
1: dissonance. shared. Someone shared. I uh, I'm in like a workshop at at work, and um, one of the things I said in the workshop was like it's sometimes difficult to have kind of base level conversations about racism, sexism, uh, classism uh, with people who are like still at like step one because Mm -hmm. i'm already at like the burn it down mentality yes and so it's like what do you fuck i think all three of us are right how do you reconcile the burn it down mentality and the the like leader of this workshop essentially sent me this article um that's about uh the concept of transformative justice through the question of why um like how the only way we're able to actually like have transformative conversations is if we're interested in the why behind people's like thoughts and decisions and the backgrounds that they've had and it can be like a frustrating and exhausting experience um and I definitely like chafed at the article (laughs) um but I think that there is like truth to it in a lot of ways where it's like what you're saying right it's like I can't have my burn it down mentality if I have to think about how people's textbooks are literally
0: it goes that far? Carving... Back. I mean, right. yeah. that's and that's why I brought up like wanting to have a lot of money. It's like I I know this is going to cost a lot of money and I feel like I want to be a part of that fucking movement. Like I feel oh, I'm sorry,
1: Erin, like... you want to single-handedly fund education
0: <laughs> reform? <laughs> no, I'm going to call my friends at Exxon, um, you know, uh, Amazon. Uh, no, I, I, but like, I just, it gets me so frustrated and like, it's, it's so granular. Like each, it's a, it's such a domino effect and it starts with one thing that leads to another thing that leads to another, et cetera, et cetera. And you have to find, you have to like pinpoint the first thing that leads to that type of thinking and mm-hmm. correct. And it's just like, I think education, public education, is the first step in potentially correcting. And also, like, we have to get rid of redlining and, like, even, you know, zip codes apart, the education system can be completely different, like, which just blows my mind as well. Um, you know, so it's it's just we need a massive, massive overhaul. But um, I will fall on the sword and fully fund it if I must, okay? <laughs> I will liquidate my assets, all four of them, and I will do it.
2: Well, I've heard a lot of people say before, like, this is a thing I've seen on the internet before, is like, did you know that it's okay that if you said something and then you find out later it was wrong, that that's okay? And like, yeah. that's such like a simple thing that I think it's like, I, you know, you ever like receive constructive criticism and get just get really mad? <laughs> Yeah. Like I feel yeah. like it it's sort of an extension of that feeling where people are like, "Oh my god, my life is already hard. I'm already dealing with all this, and now you expect me to change this fundamental thing I've always believed?" That's too much. You know, right. there's this like uh, like and, there's this like, "Oh, and now I'm doing something else wrong." Like I think people I think people don't want to discuss it because they assume that if you're going to talk about it with them, you're basically Telling them they're a bad person, and it's like, yeah, you may believe that depending on what it is you're talking about, but like I think people come into it not wanting to discuss it, but like as though you've already like called them out, as though they've, right. you've, they've already been insulted by you somehow, just by the fact that you've brought it up. There's this like
0: the innate I, I don't defensiveness. Know.
2: Yeah, what do you think we can and as do we've about dis-
0: that? As we've discussed. Uh, <laughs> this podcast as- has turned into a social justice thinking. <laughs> well, it's like I, we, I, we kinda were
1: just talking, though. Like, parents are humans. People evolve at different rates. We all yep. have different things that influence whether we are exposed uh, or unexposed. Thank uh, you for to threading this together for
0: us, yep. Uh,
1: i have a podcast
2: Um, (laughs) thank you for producing we love you we love you (laughs) (laughs) and i think
1: that's a part i it's but that's why that article i chafed against it because it is like it's harder it's longer it's Mm -hmm. it's longer than burning it down Mm. it's like it requires me to have hard conversation with people i don't want to have conversations with and uh Have you However, had
2: conversations like that before? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I was curious oh, no. like what your experience had been like. Have you tried like when you've tried that and like how it went?
1: I think the first step is being willing to even have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say something that I you know I said it to a friend of mine. I was like, I'm actually at a point in my life where I really do. I literally can make the choice to not expend energy on anyone who I don't want to and uh, but my workshop leader brought this up to me you know that is a point of privilege right uh like the fact that I'm capable of not having exhausting conversations with people about like basic humanity is a privilege of mine it's not something that a lot of people have a choice in um and so that's kind of the way that's like kind of the radical way to rethink about it is like, I have up until this point kind of distanced myself to like save my, like, I don't need to engage in difficult conversations. Um, And that is, I mean, we do demonize selfishness. That is a selfish act. uh, And it's something that I am actively kind of reconciling and challenging um, because I don't, because now that I can afford that space, I don't actively engage with it. Um, And I think before when I was like in high school or middle school, it's like, when did, you know, when I didn't necessarily have the affording Mm -hmm. or space, right. I can't like make the space myself. Um, I remember a specific, (laughs) yeah, I guess I was too young to have that kind of framework. I was too young to have a constructive framework. So, um, I remember in particular, my, uh, my best friends fought with my mom at a restaurant about affirmative action. And that was very upsetting. Um, like, you know, it's like kids fighting with adults about, uh, big topics that, but also recognizing that she, you know, for the past 20 years had listened to Rush Limbaugh in the morning. Like that's a hard.
0: Yeah. What a silo of fucking.
1: I think something that's helpful. I think something that is helpful for me is like, um, focusing on like the bigots or the most extreme parts of society is like maybe where people want to put the most of their energy and that's kind of what we think when we think about like having these hard conversations but actually that's like wasted energy I agree. Like, it's actually probably more meaningful to focus on like middle of the road apathy versus um, versus like trying to have difficult conversations with like your 65 year old
2: mm-hmm
1: Grandpa.
2: I That um, feels like an extension of that idea you were saying where it's like burning it down is easier. It's like it's easier if this is just a fight. Yeah. But like, you know, because that doesn't require anybody to see anybody's side. You just stick to your own. Mm-hmm.
1: But it's actually much harder to actually identify the plentiful amount of apathetic and more liberal-minded or, like, more progressively-minded people in my life that are choosing to not have... Or like, are choosing not to like work towards reform or like work towards uh, education? Mm. Um, that's actually arguably the more accessible path, and it doesn't it, it, it requires like less hard emotional energy at least. Mm. Just a choice. I don't know. So that's kind of the way I've been recently reframing.
0: I agree, I, and I I really quickly like to add though that I feel like. If we could all go back five years, like Obama era, when <laughs> we could, because I, I feel like that's when an, a collective awareness started for, for, for people who are privileged, yeah. let's just say. Like I feel like that's, yeah, totally. you know, five, six years ago Obama era is when I sort of started to gain this awareness. And I feel like one thing in our movement that has stifled it so much is the word education i think referring to people as uneducated in this fight has it has um inadvertently made it almost like a class now it's like a class thing and that's that's where sure. my i struggle to be to reconcile i'm like oh fuck like and it bothers me like when people even still are like well that person's just not educated they don't know they're not educated they're not educated and like I don't know I just I guess I just want to know your guys thoughts like I feel like that because that word is so loaded and not everyone has access or you know the ability to get an education it's like I, I just I don't know it's done damage I feel like
2: yeah
0: no easy answer I think you're <laughs> correct. I think you're correct in a
1: lot of aspects. I think um,
0: I think there needs to be a path to redemption. A path to redemption. Within reason. Cause, because I worry, like, I just, like, I so badly can, cons- and I think the pandemic in a really, really weird way. I think, my I hope, and I'm also uh, a very, very big optimist and idealist, but my hope is that we're going to come out of this and feel a softness. Like I feel like there's going to be a softness and sure. an excitement to be around people again. I think there's going to be less hostility than there was before this. That's my hope. Um, but I feel like it, the further, like when we use words like education or or uneducated rather, and like when we like, I don't know, the well, whole to pencil, your point, yeah
1: to your point um uh i was in a conversation at work where someone brought up that the word intersectional basically turned their brain off
0: oh that's an interesting trigger to have
1: that it was the word is too academic oh it 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 feels too lofty Hmm. even though the concept's not that difficult Um, But I think that's like a good Right this isn't a person that necessarily meant harm It's not something But I think it is something that you're talking about Where it's like Kind of like educated versus uneducated And it's like There are some people who may want to be involved uh, But are discouraged By certain language And you know You can either look at it as like I'm mad at you for turning your brain off when you hear the word intersectionality. Or you can just say, well, I think I could talk about this concept in a way that doesn't use the word intersectionality.
0: Right. God, Um, we've got to be better listeners. I really just think listening and understanding and, yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. But. Well, I think we've solved the world's problems. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like you, you did such a beautiful job at threading this all together, but I feel like really it's what we kind of like touched on the, the, the overarching thing is like evolution of spirit and ideology and how everyone is sort of on a different pace. Everyone's at a different pace. Everyone's on a different trajectory. Um, some people have exposure to things that changes their trajectory, such as you did, um others do not and that leads them right down the path that they're on and they never are challenged in their beliefs perhaps um but yeah this was was really i love everything that we touched on i felt like this was a very robust conversation
1: any chance that i get to talk about crucifixion night is a good day for me
0: (laughs) i can't believe that
2: (laughs) yeah (laughs) Well, it's so interesting. Not. That's, like, such a... The parallels you drew between, like, this this crucifixion camp. That's not what it was, but, that, you know, it's <laughs> It is now. <laughs> it is now. Um, and, like, the, the theater thing is so interesting because it's just, like, this quest for, like, a place that feels like home that you can be vulnerable mm-hmm. in, right? And, like, and it comes from, you know, sometimes people are trying to get everybody in it to think the same thing, and sometimes people are trying to get everybody to just Support. feel like themselves. Yeah, but, like... S- similar goal right like
1: the, yeah the theater community's goal is for everyone to learn the words to la vivo M," and yes, fuck yes <laughs> <laughs> and be brainwashed into not being able to pay for their rent yeah. the... <laughs>
0: all right folks that's it you did it you hung in there through the whole episode thank you so much for tuning in if you loved what you heard please be sure to follow rate and subscribe to our podcasts wherever you get your podcasts um whether it be spotify apple um the carrier pigeon in your neighbor's yard i don't know whatever your thing is just subscribe follow like rate review share and if you're not already doing so be sure to follow us on instagram at at Busy Body Potty, P-O-D-Y. That's at Busy Body Potty, P-O-D-Y on Instagram. Stay up to date with us and thank you so much for listening. We hope you loved. Stay busy.